thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to the latest edition of the Women's Football Digest uh, looking back at England's brilliant win over China uh, at the Women's World Cup which of course secured top spot in group the Board Lionesses. Uh, joining me again is Jack Lacey Hatton all the way from Australia and all the way from England we have Beth Lindop as well. Morning to you both. Uh, obviously plenty for us to get stuck into but Jack you were there in Adelaide for the game uh, as always obviously our man on the ground in Australia uh, for the tournament. Um, and we'd spoken in, on previous podcasts about how England just needed to click, looking like they needed the performance, things weren't falling into place. And well, we got exactly that against China. It blew them away and, and it was kind of really England arriving at this one, wasn't it? Yeah, hi, mate. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I've, I've said it, I think, on the previous episode, this felt like the perfect time for England to to lay down a marker. Um, and I felt that's what, that's what happened last night. You know, people have... I've seen a lot of people on, on social media and, and sort of respond, reacting to the games, talking about the level of opponent, you know, c- what can we learn from from beating China so convincingly. But to be fair, that I don't recall many people pointing that out before the game. Um, you know, this group's been pretty tight all the way through. The results have been close. I mean, they've all, they were all 1-0s um, in the first four games of the group. So, yeah, I think it was it was an impressive display Obviously, the the tweaking system that Serena Wiegmann uh, uh, went for tactically, no, no one was really predicting that. That surprised everyone in the. I can assure you, every one of us in the media centre before the game was uh, was yeah, very, very surprised to see that. But it, it worked a treat. Obviously, it surprised China. They were very compact and and you know quite quite negative, trying to sit back and and play in the deep block. But um, England just played through them at every opportunity, and I thought we were thoroughly good value for the win um, and obviously yeah it's, it does it, it answers the question it feels like they've arrived at the tournament which as we talked about as well it's, the, it's probably the perfect time to find your form heading into the knockout stages Beth Jack alluded to it there uh, in terms of a, a new style of play that we saw from definitely a new formation as well in terms of how they approached the game against China um, a, a back three wing backs um, obviously Katie Zellum as well coming into midfield to replace Kira Walsh but you kind of feel that that where Walsh was missing this this kind of formation as well as allowing others to flourish it, it kind of not so much kind of stopped the negatives of course Kira Walsh is still a big miss and, and you still miss her massively but it kind of for any weaknesses there may have been in the squad with Walsh's absence it, it felt like this formation as well as playing to a lot of their strengths and Leslie Russo having someone alongside her as well and we'll come on to her in a bit in terms of finally getting off the market this tournament but bronze as well being able to attack, it, it also kind of nullified the loss a little bit of Walsh, I felt, that you had someone like Millie Bright able to step into midfield, kind of doing what Leah Williamson done so well last summer. And it just seems that, you know, I saw someone kind of suggest on on Twitter afterwards that Serena Veekman, it was kind of almost like, you beauty, you've done it again. And and she is such a, a brilliant tactician. And I think the B switches kind of emphasised that and how she was able to kind of see no one else is, as Jack said, you know, even in the media centre, they were all quite confused by it, didn't see it coming. No one else probably could have thought this way, but this is a, an insight into how Serena Veekman thinks, always thinking outside the box perhaps. And and a brilliant tactician is what she is and she showed that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I, when I went down to, to St. George's Park a, a few weeks ago before the tournament got underway and, and sat down and had the chat with, with Baroness Sue Campbell, who obviously works very closely with 
Serena as the FA's director of women's football. And she said, there's two things that make Serena so great. One is that she's incredibly calm. And two is that she's tactically excellent. And I think, you know, she's showcased both of those things over the course of the tournament so far. I mean, for a lot of managers after already weathering, you know, a horrendous sort of injury storm, losing the likes of, of Beth Mead and Leah Williamson to see Kira Walsh going off as well would have been sort of final nail in the coffin, wouldn't it? And there was definitely a lot of concern about how England would fare without her in the middle of the park. But, you know, there's, there's been so much talk about who is going to come in to replace Kira Walsh. Is it going to be Laura Coombs, as we saw come in for Kira in that Denmark game? Is it going to be Katie Zellum? And there was always a sense that whoever came in would not be able to do the job that Kira does by herself. And, and Serena's almost gone, yeah, you're right. We've, we've not got one player who can come in and do exactly the same job Kira can, but we have got players that are capable getting us over the line in a different system and she showed her tactical acumen yet again as she said it was it was a, a three five two and um, with sort of Lauren Hemp joining Alessia Russo up front at, at the beginning and the wing backs coming in and I, I think it just brought out the best of so many players you know I think Alessia Russo she got on the score sheet but aside from that looks sort of completely re-energized in in this new system and um, Lucy Bronze you know we, we know that she excels further forward up the pitch um, and even sort of the, the back line as well, you know, one thing we've seen in, in the last sort of couple of games is England have looked quite vulnerable on the counter-attack. And obviously China had their moments yesterday, but it sort of felt like with Jess Carter, Alex Greenwood and Millie Bright, there was always going to be someone on the cover. You know, we saw Alex Greenwood sliding into a couple of brilliant brilliant challenges as well to, to prevent China from counter-attacking. So I think it was a system that really benefits you know, the, the personnel that England have at the disposal at the minute, you know, is Serena going to stick with this for the duration of the tournament or for the duration of her her time with England? You know, I'm not sure, but, but for the time being with, with the people that, that England have available, I definitely think it, it you know, it, it worked. I mean, you win 6-1, you can't have too many complaints, can you? Jack, this podcast at times, this tournament already has has run the risk of, of turning into the Lauren James show, but we're not apologetic about that because she is a, a superb talent. Uh, and again, we saw that ag- against China, you know, she was brilliant against Denmark and seemed to kind of step up another level uh, against China. I don't think I can remember too many players running the show in the way that she did against China. Everything that, that seemed to be good for England came through Lauren James. A phenomenal talent, really, really announcing herself on the world stage. You had uh, club coach Emma Hayes on commentary jokingly saying, I wish whatever club uh, that has her ties her down to a long-term contract, very tongue-in-cheek from her. And of course, the, the comment from her brother, Risa, an England international men's team too, uh, you know, saying that her technical ability is better than some of those in, in the men's Premier League. I dare say she might even be the better James in the family at this rate. You know, she just keeps going to new levels, new heights. And and yeah, she is probably the most exciting player to watch at the tournament, definitely from an England point of view, probably from a, from a whole point of view as well. She is, this feels like this is her moment. We're watching a, a world star, a true world star in women's football being born right now in this tournament. Definitely feels like that, doesn't it? I mean, I'm not sure. It's very difficult to to add anything that hasn't been said in the last sort of 24 hours on, on Lauren James because you're right. It was just... Uh, I, all I can say is that being sat there um, and watching it up close, w- watching the way she manoeuvres the ball makes it difficult for opponents is willing to to drop into any available space on the pitch. I, I think that's the interesting point here. She was given this this number ten role, um, slightly tweaked from her role against Denmark, where yeah, she was she was cutting inside a lot against Denmark. Um, but here, the way China was set up, and I know China weren't great, but the one part of the pitch where England didn't have a lot of space was down the middle. Um, so Lauren James sort of had to had to go and find 
the spaces that are available, show for the ball at the right time. That, that's quite, that, that sort of, I think, qualities you'd associate with like an experienced player, a, a player who, who knows the game really well, has good sort of football intelligence, which over the past year is probably the one part of James's game that hasn't been overly praised um, or eulogised for those of us that watch the WSL week in, week out. But but here I th- I thought she she actually it was just it wasn't just a, a joy to watch her it was you felt like you're watching a very sort of mature player um, showcasing her best talent and and yeah it's re- it's really exciting it's it, I, I was I'm sort of too young to remember Michael Owen bursting onto the scene in France '98 for the men's team but I I, I you know I might it's something similar. Uh, it's, it feels like a similar sort of feeling, you know. It's a proper. We, we love it, don't we? Yeah, a real announcement um, on the world stage, and and yeah, she she definitely produced it last night. I, I, she was just a joy to watch, and if, if she can maintain this, I feel like the current level she's reaching is unplayable. It's not, or certainly not far or off. Um, there's very little I think you can do to stop her if she's if she's in that free role and and, and could find the the space to maneuver into. And I mean, there's obviously I was at the game, so I didn't hear the Emma Hayes quote, but that I, I suspect she's, she's only probably half joking there, Emma, because I know Chelsea were very keen to tie her down to a contract, a long term contract before this tournament started. Um, and that, you know, obviously the people that run that, the one inside there are no mugs that they, they would have known she could have an absolute breakout, breakout couple of weeks here. Um, and it, it, just imagine now if she was available on the transfer market, you'd have every club in the world lining up to sign her after last night. Um, so yeah, there's, there's like I say, unfortunately, there's very little to, to add about her, but just say what, what a treat it was to be uh, to be in the stadium last night and, and magnificent to see her firsthand. Beth, uh, one player that we have mentioned that of course missed uh, the game and, and the win over China was of course Kira Walsh picking up that injury against Denmark. There were concerns going into the game and we've touched on already this morning about how even would cope without her. She is still going to be missed, but it feels like this system uh, means that it's not as big a miss as perhaps it, it could have been before. We were fearing and kind of wondering how do England solve this problem, you know, taking Kira Walsh and what she does and, and you know, the brilliant attributes to a game out the side. But Serena Vigman, again, as we touched on already, the, the brilliant tactical analysis that she has has found a solution very few others probably would have even thought of to, to get to this. Of course, you know, I'm, I'm sure Kira Walsh, if she is fit before the end of the tournament, would love to, you know, England would love to slot her straight back in. And I suppose now, given how well that formations were, that that, that is the new problem, isn't it? If Kira Walsh is fit before the end of the tournament, how do you fit her back into this new system? Yeah, we're, we're, we're very fickle, aren't we, as, as football journalists and football fans? Because a couple of days ago, it was the worst thing in the world, Kira Walsh being out. There wasn't going to be anybody who could replace her. And now we're like, actually, is she going to make it back in the team when she when she gets back fit? But now, I mean, the thing, obviously, Kira is fit. And before the end of the tournament, I'm sure we'll see her again. I mean, I would find that very unlikely, you know, knee injury, ACL or not. It's very unlikely you see players recover from that in, in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I think, again, props to, to Serena for, for doing it again and, and coming up with a with a system that that benefits the team and, and sort of diminishes the, the impact of, of the of the loss of Kira Walsh. Um, you know, she is phenomenal. She can spray passes left, right and centre. I think that... The rest of her teammates call her sat on our foot because of, of the accuracy of the passes that, that she can, can can spread across the pitch. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, the, the players who came in for her, I mean, Katie Zellum in particular, I was delighted to see her get a start, her first ever appearance at, at a World Cup, of course. And, you know, she's one player sort of in the, in the build-up and on all the media days, she sort of just got a sense, was just happy to be there. She was, you know, I think she obviously missed out on that final squad at, at the Euros last summer. 
um, and has obviously played played a brilliant season for Manchester United as captain as well. So to see her out there and having a really good game and, and probably doing a lot of the, the dirty work as well and, and sort of occupying those those Chinese forwards and and making sure that that you know England have a little bit of a buffer in front of that back line. I thought I thought she was excellent. Um, but yeah, I think this new system it, it is is the best way for England to play really without. Kira Walsh. Now, of course, that this sort of is the mitigation of it. It was against China, who I know are, are you know, reigning Asian champions, but there will be be sterner opposition to come for England. You know, they haven't yet faced a side outside of the the top ten in, in the FIFA rankings. So, you know, as, as we progress and, and play different types of opposition, this this new system may, may may be tested a little bit more, and we may have to reevaluate. But for the time being, it you know, it seems like Serena Vigman has really struck on it. A formation that, that gets the best out of her team and, and, and as I say, diminishes the impact of Walsh's injury. Jack, another player who shone for England in the win over China was Alessi Russo. And we said on the uh, on the preview podcast ahead of the China game, uh, and Laura Hartley was the one championing the cause for Alessi Russo to stay in the starting eleven, and saying that she just needed a goal to get that bit of confidence uh, and should be off and running in the tournament. And of course, it only took four minutes. I, I doubt we kind of expected it to come that quickly, but of course, it only took four minutes for Alessi Russo to get on the score sheet against China. A much improved performance from her, obviously probably benefiting from having a player alongside her a little bit further forward in, in Lauren Hemp as well in this new system. But how much will this goal mean for Alessi Russo for the rest of the tournament now that she has this weight off her shoulders almost, that she isn't still scratching around trying to get that first goal, that she's got it, that that weight and that pressure is gone. And then hopefully now the uh, goals two, three, four, five, maybe six, if I'm being overly optimistic, can can start flowing as well. Yeah, the, there's there's got to be a, a big weight lifted. I mean, she's she's not the type of striker, to be fair, who is I don't think the the po- a poacher style striker who plays on the on the last defender all the time and is purely about finishing goals to, judging on goal goals tally at the end of the season and, and nothing else. I don't I don't think Alessia is that type of forward. Um, but by all accounts, she's still after the game. I think she she could she sort of admitted that. That it, of course, it's a bit of a weight um, on any forward's mind having not scored. In, so, and not, she's not scored many for England recently either. I think that's the other thing since, since the Euros last year. So, yeah, I think it, a massive moment for her. Hopefully, in her tournament, I, I, I do. Is going back to what Beth said earlier, but I do believe that yeah, you take out Kira Walsh, the twenty-two players that are left, they all look like they really benefited from this system last night. They all looked better players because of it, and I would include. Alessia in that Lauren Hemp uh, put in a, a miles better performance than the one she served up against Haiti in the opening game. Uh, Lucy Bronze obviously has got the energy and sort of the physicality to play wing back, no problem. She's she, you know she's a, she's a very attack minded fullback anyway, so it kind of benefits her. Um, Beth already talked about Katie's element. I thought what, what she was outstanding, what, what she brought to the team last night. Um, and yeah, Alessia was just a, another sort of. Another player I thought who looked a lot better in that system, having someone alongside a light Lauren Hemp, it it means that when when there were times in the game last night, particularly early on, where where Russo was sort of drifting out to the left and to the right and sort of picking the balls in the in those channels and and driving at the at the China uh, defense, and you know when you're if you're sort of a, a lone target striker playing in the number nine role, that's probably not a great thing to to be doing. I think she did it a couple of times against Haiti, and it looked slightly out of out of kill two of the rest of the team. But because she had Lauren Hemp in there last night, uh, Lucy Bronze arriving late at the back post, there was always there was always someone sort of covering for her in that in that central role. Um and I, I just felt that the link up between between Hemp and, and Russo just generally through the game was really good. 
she's she's one of the best pressing strikers in the WSL. The way she sort of harries and harasses defenses when they're in possession, and and I think she helps. It, it really helps having someone alongside her um, in the in the attack. And and yeah, it hopefully hopefully one goal will will sort of turn things for her because she had a couple of chances in that Haiti game. It wasn't that she wasn't getting chances. She was putting herself in the right position, um, getting on the end of crosses that weren't perfect. Uh, so hopefully this one goal will, will sort of swing things for her and and yeah it, Lauren James obviously doing her bit to, to sort of provide the goals for England at the moment but it's always helpful if you strike a scoring goals and uh, and yeah I think also with the way that Serena Vigman's now selected two games in a row Rachel Daly has sort of been either at fullback or wingback I think the chances of her starting number nine through the middle as a central forward now, which, which personally before the tournament, I, I would have liked to have seen. I think the chances of that now are quite slim. Um, so I wouldn't say there's, there's pressure on, on uh, Alessia because, you know, Bethany England and the little cameo last night look, looked lively against against uh, Denmark. And I, I, I mean, I can get it when a lot of people, I think there's a lot of clamour for Beth England, the type of striker she is. She's a bit more not entertaining, but she she gets in she gets the ball in sort of unexpected areas, and she's a bit more of a, a, a an exciting striker to watch. Um, unless sometimes just a lot of the sort of she's good at the under, the, the work that goes unnoticed, you know, the scrappy stuff. Um, so yeah, she's she's still got competition up front, and I think that that goal will have done a, the world of good. Beth, of course, next up for England uh, is a round of 16 clash against Nigeria. We'll, we'll talk more um, and we'll have an in-depth podcast on, on that game uh, coming later in the week. So definitely one to look out for there. But but just quickly on on this match against Nigeria, they've looked fairly handy in the, in the group stages, I think. You know, they, they look very, uh, very good, especially in that win against Australia. Probably a little bit um, unfortunate against Ireland coming up against a, a brilliant goalkeeping performance in that game to be able to get the result that would have seen on top of the group instead obviously finishing second they're on to play England but England can't afford to start looking past Nigeria and thinking that this game's in the bag is it because like I said there they've already stunned the hosts Australia who are no mugs as well you know we've seen them put out the Olympic champions basically yesterday in a, in a straight knockout game wasn't it or earlier this week sorry uh, against Canada seeing to, to their hopes of adding the uh, World Cup to the Olympic gold they won a couple of years ago uh, Nigeria are a team that England should still be wary of. Absolutely. And, and I think when it gets to this stage of a tournament, you know, no team is to be taken for granted. Every team who is in this last 16 is there because they deserve to be and, and they've shown that. Um, you know, Nigeria, as you say, that they're not they're not slouches. They they have sort of, I guess, been one of the, the surprise packages of the tournament so far. You know, there was, remember in our group chat, there was plenty of shock in that opening game when they, they held the Olympic champions, Canada, to to a goalless draw and then you know they, they bettered that result by going and and beating Australia and beating them you know in, in, in some style as well I thought they absolutely sort of tore, tore Australia apart at times in, in that game and um, so yeah they're definitely a side that, that shouldn't be taken for granted defensively that they're pretty resolute and and up front you know we know not a lot about um Asia Scholar Barcelona striker who has been among the goals for them so far at this tournament so there's plenty of, of threat that they carry um, I think as well, you know, you look at some of the, the teams that are real sort of contenders to go all the way at this tournament, the likes of Germany, the likes of the USA, the likes of France, Spain. All of those teams in the group stages have actually faltered, whether it's been, you know, draws or defeats or whatever. You know, it's only England really alongside Japan and, and Sweden who so far 
have perfect records and look like that you know they're really sort of starting to find form and, and they're on the game so I think England can sort of learn lessons from that and look at their opposition and think well you know our other contenders have all sort of faltered a little bit and and we could do the same again if we allow you know compla- complacency to creep in but I think Serena Beegman is the sort of manager that, that won't allow that I think this England squad are focused they're used to now playing on, on the biggest stages under under high pressure scenarios and and they will know that, that Nigeria will carry a threat. So I don't think they will underestimate them. But yeah, I, th- I think certainly it won't be an easy game. And I think, you know, a bit like we saw against Haiti, I think, you know, that they're a side that can be be very dangerous on the counter-attack, can be can be very threatening. And, and as I said as well, you know, have that defensive sort of solidity as well. So it'll be an interesting game. But again, one that the England should win. But yeah, who knows? Jack, of course, Nigeria are not the only side from Africa to to reach the knockout stages as well. Just before uh, we started recording today's episode, uh, a brilliant victory for South Africa, the first ever at a Women's World Cup. And I suppose what a brilliant time to get it. Uh, 90th minute, or a stoppage time winner even, wasn't even 90th minute, a stoppage time winner, seeing them past Italy and seeing them into the knockout stages. And, you know, as I said there, if you're going to get your first ever win at a World Cup, you might as well make sure it comes at the right time to be able to progress to the knockout stages. A, a brilliant victory for South Africa. And again, as we said, you know, long before on this on this podcast, that, that this expanded tournament, and yes, we have had South Africa at previous Women's World Cups as well, but an expanded tournament offers expanded opportunities for, for sides to be able to progress. And South Africa making the most of that as well with that first win, going now into the knockout stages, this shows how the, the women's game is growing around the world, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, yeah, it's a it's an interesting point as well about the, the sort of, England won't be able to underestimate Nigeria, um, but but I don't think anyone in the last 16 can underestimate their opponents because now the group stages are so strong. I think four years ago, there was still this this element of, I think the, the quality as the tournament progressed was was high towards the end. But I do think there was there was a, there was an element of of weaker sides getting through to the knockout stages four years ago. I think this time around, yeah, the the likes of South Africa, Nigeria, um, obviously, if if you know C- Colombia as well, have shown what what they can do. There's, there's there's teams that you wouldn't have on the radar to to win this tournament, and, and, and I say that as someone who thought it was really open. You know, pred- predicting a winner was really difficult um, before before the ball was kicked. But but now, yeah, you look at it and you think there's there's just no easy ties in the, in this last sixteen. I mean, I, I know we've not mentioned the the US yet on on this podcast, but obviously the the result they had, they they've now got a really difficult route to get through to the the, the semi final. So that I, I thought might happen if you know the Dutch ran up a big score against Vietnam, they would get bogged down in that Portugal match. That's exactly what happened. And now that they've they've got a really tough tie against Sweden, um, who have obviously like I think what we've said along with England and Japan, probably in the form side at the competition so far. So, yeah, it's, it's brilliant to see. This is what it's all about now. The, the women's game is no longer some top European teams, North European teams and Canada and the US. It's it's far, far bigger than that. Um, the depth, the strength in depth is is there for all to see. The decision to expand to 32 teams has, has already been a, a huge success, in my opinion, and, that, and we've still got, you know, a few weeks to go in this tournament um so yeah it's, it's brilliant to see and, and it's great now that the group stage is giving us the bigger moments of the competition which i don't think was the case in in 2015 or 2019 as much because as jack touched on there yes it is a, a very difficult route for the usa two teams that we've picked up this morning so it's it's sweden in the round of 16 
And then looking at how things have gone so far, potentially Japan, uh, they're up against Norway. Uh, Japan are in, in the round of 16. So if the USA get past Sweden and then come up against the other team that's got the perfect record, aside from England as well, in Japan, a semi-final potentially against the Netherlands. Again, another rerun. Uh, we already had one of those in the group stages, but another rerun of that final from 2019, potentially uh, as a semi-final. Um, it does look very hard for the Americans, doesn't it? But I suppose if you're going to win a World Cup, it's be the best, you have to beat the best. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, you can you can never write off the USA, can you, regardless of the sort of form that they're in. You know, I, I was having this conversation yesterday and I sort of liken them to like Real Madrid in, in the Champions League, even if they're not 100% clicking and, and they don't look quite right. You know, as soon as it sort of gets into sort of the decisive stages, um, you know, that they, they've managed to find that extra gear to go up. So, yeah, I think it will be a very difficult route for them. I think on form, you would say that Sweden would, would knock them out of, of the tournament and that obviously may prove the case. Um, but, you know, I don't think you can write them off that easily. Um, you know, I think as well, if you, if you look at it another way, if, you, if you're a USA fan and you're trying to be positive, they were yesterday, they were the width of the post of from, from going out of the tournament. Obviously, Portugal hit the post in stoppage time. And when you have those moments, a decisive sort of points in, in the tournament, you think, you know, could this be a point that we look back on and we're holding the trophy and say that was where it was sort of, not where it was won, but that was sort of the moment that, that luck was on our side a little bit. So yeah, I think it's a very tough route for the USA. Um, I think if they carry on playing the way they have been playing, I think they, they won't last much longer in this tournament, but they have so many quality players. You know, Sophia Smith showed in that opening game what she can do. And if they can find the form that, that you know, they, they the players that domestically have shown, you know, in, in this NWSL season, and they can carry that onto the, the, the international stage, then they're certainly, you know, they're certainly still a threat um, but I think, you know, just to, to echo what, what you guys have said about the 32-team the tournament, you know, it's been from that very first game where we saw New Zealand pick up that that win over Norway, you know, there's been sort of shock after shock and you can't predict it for, from one game to the next. I mean, I was just live blogging that, um, that South Africa game for the mirror and it was like crazy. The pendulum kept swinging one way and another and, and that's what you want to see, isn't it? And that's, you know, if you're someone watching women's football and watching the Women's World Cup for the first time, perhaps it's these sort of, stories that, that get you hooked isn't it so um yeah i think it's been a great success so far and, and, and long may it continue jay just to end today without getting too ahead of ourselves um obviously england now getting into the lockout stages meaning that we can start looking ahead to the route to the final it obviously was was kind of well documented well known already because of how the groups have kind of panned out so that bd uh, and and f and h would kind of all progress one side and, and get to the, the final that way so there was always a chance that england might come up against their group opponents in the semi-finals we'll come on to that potential permutation in a second and yes we are recording this at a time where we are still waiting for, for group h to be finished tomorrow group f is going on live now as, as we speak um but looking at, at england's potential route nigeria round of 16 then possibly one of colombia Jamaica and Brazil uh, and Jamaica and Brazil playing together as we record this podcast. Um, so forgive us if you're listening to this afterwards uh, and we might <laughs> might be uh, kind of trying to cover all bases on this one, but potentially those ones on that side of the draw. Um, looking at other big sides, though, it, it does seem like, and I'm, again, I may be getting ahead of myself here, but you kind of do see Australia in the top half of the bottom half, if that makes sense, as a potential semi-final opponent for England before getting to that final. What do you make of this side of the draw that England are in compared to the, the top half, which we do fully know exactly who's going where, how they're playing and how they're going to end up in the final. Yeah, I think, I think there's there's nothing to fear in this side of the draw for England. They're, they're European champions. They've beaten pretty much every team there is to beat over the past year. 
equally, I mean, you've, as cliche, isn't it? But you've got to take things one game at a time. And Nigeria, as we've said, will, will will be very very difficult. I think it will be a similar game to that that one against Haiti. Like like Beth said, I just I, I can't see it being any easier than that. I expect a very similar pattern of play. Um, if if Brazil, obviously, as, as we say, as we're, they're still playing as, as we're recording this, so it could be wasted. But if if Brazil progress and are the quarterfinal opponent. That'd be a huge challenge. Um, I think a lot, certainly a lot tougher than the quarterfinal opponents we've had in in previous major tournaments. We saw how close the the finalissima at Wembley was. The two very evenly matched teams. I thought that night, and, and Brazil have also got options coming off the bench now. They've got sort of four or five really talented strikers. So obviously, Mart has been starting on the bench in the first two games. That that probably says everything you need to know about the the depth they've got in the, in those positions. Um, so they, I think that that sort of the the impact of players coming off the bench has a greater effect later on in the tournament. Perhaps when when legs are tired, We've got five substitutes now, which I know is common elsewhere. But this is the first women's World Cup with that rule, so so that could that could play a factor. Uh, it's interesting as well. Almost all the England, you know, there's a, a high percentage now of all the England outfield players have had some form of minutes on the pitch, uh, which which could be a good thing going late into the later stages. Um, but you, uh, yeah, equally, I will definitely work with Colombia out after that that performance against Germany the other night. So they're they're all potentially difficult games. Um, I, I actually would would have fancied Australia to be honest in the round of sixteen based on what I've seen from them so far. I think they're just the the whole Sam Kerr injury debacles kind of kind of just get getting to the the whole shape of the team really, and, and there's not been too much positive coverage of uh, of the managerial decisions um in the press here so far so i think i think they would have been a a good opponent for england um having said that there's yeah the, the, there's nothing for for serena vigman's team to fear that there's a great chance to to at least get i think to the, to the semi-final but let, let's wait and see because yeah you don't it's easy to get ahead of ourselves in these situations it's the role of any England fan in any international tournament. Even before the first ball's kicked, you start planning as to how you're going to get there and where, what, what cities you'll be, you'll be travelling to for sure. Uh, Jack, Beth, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, as always, you can keep up to date with all the latest from the Women's World Cup uh, on the Daily Mirror website. Uh, also, like we mentioned earlier on, there will be a uh, Nigeria preview and a general uh, round of 16 uh, preview later on in the week, so be sure to look out for that. But for now, it's goodbye.